Welcome to Inside Aesthetics, the podcast for cosmetic, wellness, and business insider knowledge. I'm Dr. Jake Sloan, a cosmetic doctor based in Sydney, and I'm joined by my co-host and good friend, David Segal, an entrepreneur and a multi-clinic owner in the aesthetic space. We'll cover any topic that makes you look or feel good with long form, unbiased, and unfiltered conversations with expert guests from around the world. New episodes are released every Friday and you can subscribe for free on your favorite podcast app, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You should seek medical advice before undergoing any treatment or procedure, and these podcasts do not replace a professional and bespoke consultation. Hello. How are you? Sava, how are you? I'm very good. Excellent. And uh, how's uh, everything been going for you in Switzerland? Are you safe and well, or what's the situation over there? So in Switzerland, the situation is always safe. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> yes, good place to be. Concerning the, the virus, it's okay. Uh, many people uh, got the vaccine. Really? I had the two vaccine. I'm okay. Okay, good. And so the only thing which is really sad is the weather as usual. <laughs> so we're in May, supposed to be, no, 1st of June. So supposed to be in summer, it is still raining. So that's the only <laughs> problem. Now the situation is good. Economically, it's okay. We work hard. We work well, thanks to the Zoom boom and the mask and the teleconference that people, that's all we're going to talk about. Yeah. So it, it's good. We had a good year in Switzerland. And um, you guys had the big demand for uh, cosmetic treatments following, I guess, any lockdowns that you had there, people desperate to look their best again? Yeah, that is uh, due to four reasons. Let's say the first one is people are at home, so they look at themselves, they take care more about themselves, their image. Mm -hmm. The second point is the teleconference work at home. So this terrible, uh, you know, I'm talking to you, but I'm looking at my picture on the Zoom. <laughs> I look horrible. The hair with this. So people are more concerned about how they look. And this cam those cameras and the light are so bad. So I have every day, every day, I have, let's say, 40% of the patient, they say, I don't like my face on the picture. I don't like my face on the, this, those, the Zoom, etc." The third reason is wearing a mask. You can hide 90% of the, the bruises, the swelling, <laughs> even surgery. We, we have an increasing of surgery. And I think the fourth one is people finally, <clears throat> thanks to this COVID, they discover that aesthetic medicine and plastic surgery exists, especially in Europe. They are, we are very conservative. And they said, ah, Samash, it's not so bad. That's the opportunity. So that's, that's the fourth reason. Yeah. And were you doing uh, a lot of consults on Zoom? I know that we've spoken to a lot of doctors in Australia that got very used to doing a, a lot of consultations with the use of uh, technology. Did you do the same thing? Yeah, that's it. That, yes, I do a lot of teleconference. It was a very big surprise for me because I, I decided in February 2020 to start the teleconference because I had zero patients. And from one patient a month, we started like really slowly. And now we do, uh, yeah, re regularly every day, I have a couple of consultations, teleconsultations. And what I like is it's, so they pay in advance with a, on a credit, with a credit card. They pay. Uh, it's just a few amounts. It's 60 uh, francs or euros, let's say, uh, like $50. And when the, 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 the camera opens, 
we are at home with the patient, we are more relaxed, people are really relaxed. It's very, very easy to make the consultation. And I remember at the beginning, I, I programmed, I organized like half an hour or 45 minutes. And then you realize that 10, 15 minutes directly to, to the point, there is no, okay, bonjour, please have a seat, blah, 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 where you come from. So they are at home on a good environment and it's safe for them, easy for us. And then after a quick, precise question, we get a, a, an answer and, and then we find a solution. So teleconference now is really uh, one of the tools we, we, we use in plastic surgery and aesthetic medicine. Dr. Respada, you've been on the on the circuit for for many years, and I've come across your work, and you know I really respect what you do. But could you explain to our listeners who maybe not have um, come across you, what, what's your background? Where did you train? What are you uh, doing now, and what do you specialize in? So I'm a specialist of facial plastic surgery. It means that I do only aesthetic and cosmetic and plastic surgery of the face and the neck. This is a specialty that exists. Uh, in a few countries like France, UK, uh, uh, America. I don't know if it's in Australia. So I had a background of maxillofacial and ENT plus plastic surgery. And I do only from the hair to the clavicle. Mm -hmm. And this is really important for the patient because I'm the super specialist of the face. And I remember when I finished my residency, my uh, professor sent me to U.S., and I visited the 10 best plastic surgeons. And there, that was in the 90s, early 90s, because I, I finished in 1889, 90. <laughs> so I visited guys who are doing only noses, only eyes, only facelifts, only breasts. And they said, you have to do this career. And that was a big choice. And I remember I opened my private practice in Cannes. And people say, you're going to do only facial plastic surgery, only nose, eyes, and facelifts. So yeah, that's a choice. So it was a slow beginning, but then as I'm a super specialist, people come because I'm this kind of specialist. So regarding my, uh, my choice to be a doctor, it's, it's a nice story because I'm a Raspallo, it's Italian. Uh, my grandmother was the boss of the family, La Mamma, you know, <laughs> like you <laughs> say. And she said, we are uh, an Italian family. We don't have a doctor, so you're going to be a doctor. And that was... <laughs> in 66 when I was five. So yeah. I remember from this time, I had no choice. I have, I must be a doctor. <laughs> so every time I was finishing the school every year, I say, what are you going to do? Are you going to do science or uh, business? And then, no, I'm going to be a doctor. So yeah. <laughs> I had no choice. I was just going to say, we were debating where your name is from because it, it didn't sound French. I know that you trained in France. You're now living in Switzerland and Gervais could have been Spanish potentially. I don't know. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the truth is I'm more a Mediterranean Latin Italian than French because French is you, you you think about Paris blah blah so we are more Latin more yeah. Italian. My first name is a story by my father. Uh, they were fighting the grandmother, my mother from the other family. All the the the, the, the family were fighting Antonio, Raffaele, blah, blah. and my father said, "Okay, I'm the only man in this family. I'm going to choose his first name." And he was reading a book by Hervé Bazin, who is a French. Uh, uh, author and uh -huh. that's why I, my name is Hervé. <laughs> that's the story. <laughs> so then, also my background is important because I was born in Monaco, and Monaco is a principality, a short country, 
very chic, very elegant. And that gave me this idea to make my business around Monaco and Cannes. That's why I opened my practice in Cannes. Because wow. I study at the Nice University. And Nice University is uh, the hub for all facial trauma. Because from the border of Italy to Marseille, there is no hospital for emergency like neurosurgery, maxillofacial, cancer. And that's why I trained first with reconstruction. And I remember we did in uh, three or no, five years ago with Stephen Liu uh, in Monaco. We did a very nice conference about from chaos to hope after a trauma, a cancer, a disaster to a reconstruction. And from this reconstruction by surgery to make them even more beautiful with fillers. And yeah. what that was, in my memory, one of the best conferences we did together. Mm. By the way, I say hello to Stephen Liu and yes. to... Simon Dorian to uh, Greg Goodman, all my good, <laughs> great friends from Australia. Yeah. <laughs> Several of them and have been on the podcast. I was supposed to come uh, last summer at the uh, meeting, but was cancelled. Yeah. Well, we've actually um, got Stephen coming over for a very interesting panel discussion, which, um, we, yeah. So him and quite a few other thought leaders are coming over to have a discussion around regulations and training for cosmetic injectables. So we'll let him know <laughs> that you said hello. <laughs> and before we get into... <laughs> the questions or in relation to the topic today, which is uh, filariology. What, I'm just curious, what is the breakdown of your practice in terms of surgical versus non-surgical? Because, we, you know, Stephen's very similar to yourself, Dr. Liu. He's a plastic surgeon, mm -hmm. but he does a, a large amount of non-surgical work. I'm, I'm curious, what is what is the breakdown of your of your practice? So I would say 20% of surgery, facial plastic surgery, and 80% because I'm not doing the breast and the tummy tuck and the liposuction. Yeah. And when did you first start injecting? I mean, as a plastic surgeon, obviously doing, you know, yeah. ma major stuff, why did you decide to dedicate so much time to non-surgical? And, and what did your colleagues think of that originally? So I, I started in 96. I did the first Botox injection in, in France and the south of France because I was in a meeting in, in uh, San Francisco and a guy, Corey Mass came on stage, he was a facial plastic surgeon, very famous, and he said, guys, I have a new tool. You inject here to remove the, 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 the glabellar line. So what's the hell? What's this shit? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and then I came back and I said, maybe I'm going to try. And I was there with uh, the Dr. Philippe Levy from Geneva, my friend, and we started with Botox. So 96, 97. Uh, so that was as a curiosity and an opportunity to... Do something different because if you want to remove the wrinkle at that time, you have to do an endoscopic brow lift to cut the muscle, to have at least bruising for a week or two, but it's permanent. So the, the Botox was an option. And second, uh, 97, 98, came in the market, then Juvederm, and we started to inject the other wrinkles. And that was <clears throat> something different that you can do in the office. That you can do without downtime and easy and more precise than a big surgery. So it was a revelation for me. I said, okay. And at that time, for the young doctors and the, uh, and the people younger, younger than me, you have to remember that we didn't combine Botox and fillers. That was completely different or surgery. So we really created this education about Botox and fillers. Um, and of course, the reason why I started was evident. Like, I have a tool. You can stay in the office. You can have a 
proper treatment, very precise, with no downtime. You can remove it. You can wait and this come back to nature. So why absolutely uh, doing a campaign for surgery? And I remember I was one of the first teachers in Europe to train the doctor for Botox or fillers. And I had two meetings, one in Greece and one in Poland. They just asked me to go, not to inject, not to teach, just to talk to the plastic surgeon to convince them that injection is good <laughs> for their business, good for the patient. No, 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 this is, no, this is not good. We don't want that. So that was funny. It was 2004. And uh, step by step, the surgeon, they realized that it's easier than surgery. It's very good for the patient. And also it's, it's good for business because you do this practice. If an injection is like 15, 30 minutes. Surgery is longer. It's the downtime for the patient. So it was evident for me that this is, this is going to be the future. And I was lucky as a facial plastic surgeon because if you do only facial, you have to do nose, eyelids, facelift, and ears, autoplasty. So you don't do breasts, you don't do liposuction, so you have time, more time than the <laughs> plastic surgeon. So it was, uh, for me, I was convinced that doing injection, I will have the two treatment, perfect treatment for the patient, and also I have time to do those injections, for sure. Well, that brings us nicely onto the topic of the day, which is, as David mentioned, filler rheology, or the characteristics and properties of fillers, I guess. And it's kind of amazing. We've done 124 podcasts, and we haven't really discussed this topic in any meaningful way. No. So who better to to get uh, someone on uh, than Dr. Respaldo, who's clearly a pioneer in, in, in doing it, and he's been doing it ever since it's been around. So... Dr. Espado, why don't you tell us about the types of fillers that you are aware of? So we've mentioned hyaluronic acid. So maybe just describe what that is, because we have some consumers who are listening who who would like to understand, you know, the types of fillers that are available to us. So the uh, hyaluronic acid is a terrible name <laughs> for something very simple. It's a, it's a gel, uh, cohesive, which is like a viscoelastic gel that we have in the body and we lose from the age of 15, we start to lose hyaluronic acid on the face. That's mm -hmm. why the face is uh, shrinking or sagging because we lose this elasticity and this marvelous product, which is hyaluronic acid. So the idea is to replace or to prevent the lack of hyaluronic acid. Um, the gel, the viscoelastic gel, originally there were only one with some concentration. So we talk about elasticity, cohesivity, and concentration. And that's how you can change the, the, te the, the, the shape of the gel. Mm -hmm. So more you have concentration, to be simple, more you have cohesivity, more the gel is to structure, like the chin, the mandible, or the cheeks. More the gel is liquid, less concentration, less uh, cohesivity, more it's for lips or wrinkles or under the eyes. And this is for the patient is very interesting because it's safe, it's resolvable, and it replaces something that we lose. So just to summarize that again, cohesivity is basically 
how sticky uh, the molecules are together. So if, like you said, it's yes. watery, it will be quite runny and not very good for structure. But if it's very uh-huh. cohesive, it's good for bone and, and structure and jaws and noses and things like that. Exactly. Sometimes we hear the word G prime. Can you just explain what that is? Hello, G prime. It's it's more like cohesivity. It's not a, a, a letter or a word I like because it's very scientific. Mm-hmm. So G prime is like cohesivity. More it's more the G prime is high. More it's cohesive, difficult to inject, but robust. Mm-hmm. Let's say robust. Yes, something robust. Okay. If we can compare, we have uh, uh, an egg, hard egg. This is high cohesivity. Mm-hmm. It's high G prime. And then you have a banana. You squeeze a banana. And the banana spread. Okay, yeah. so you have these this two different uh, approach. So elasticity is another uh, quality, I would say, of the gel that when you inject the gel and you, for example, in the lips, you smile, you express yourself, the elasticity is the capacity to come back to the original shape. Yeah. And this is very important for the lips. If you inject a hot gel with low elasticity, you, you speak like this, okay? So it's very important. And the opposite, when you do a nose or cheeks or chin, you don't want elasticity because you don't want that shape to change. Yes. Okay. And this is, okay, so in every family or uh, range of products, we have from the light one to a more cohesive one, mm-hmm. okay? And it's from three to five different gel from every uh, for every company. Perfect. So that's the hyaluronic acid um, fillers, but then there are other types. So, you know, one of the most common ones that I can think of is the calcium sort of containing fillers. So why would you use those and, and, and how do they differ? Well, the calcium, it's, uh, so again, it's a hard word. It's a very difficult word. It's hydroapatite of calcium. So a combination of calcium in a gel. Mm-hmm. This is a, a, a gel also you can inject. It's not transparent, it's not so elastic, but it's more for structure, like the, on the bowl. Uh, it's good when you want to get a hard structure. The problem of those gel, there is no antidote. Yarinidase is the enzyme who destroy the yarinic acid. So in case of something is too much injected, you can reduce. If there is a something, an emergency, you have to remove the gel, you can spread it away with the yarinidase. With the hydroxyapatite of calcium, you don't have this antidote. So it's one of the reasons why I'm not a fan of this product. If the patient wants and requires it, I do it. Mm-hmm. But it's not something I do regularly. Okay. But it exists on the market. And you'd use that again for the, the jaw and the chin and things like that? Jaw, chin, mid-face, like cheeks. Okay, perfect. Right. A product that's become fashionable once again or popular once again here in Australia, and I'm not sure um, for yourself in Switzerland, is uh, Sculpture. Um, so polylactic acid, which is essentially sutures that you would use to stitch your skin back together if you got an injury or you're having an operation and it's been put into a powder form that's then injected into the skin to stimulate collagen. Now, has that become popular in Switzerland again? We're starting to see a lot of it being used in uh, body sculpting treatments or to help with um, collagen loss and so on. Um, could you just tell us a little bit about your experiences with it and popularity in Switzerland? 
So in Switzerland, it's not popular, but uh, I think I'm one of the biggest users in, in Europe of this Cultra because it's first is French. The, the, it's a doctor, <laughs> French doctor yes. from Paris, who created this uh, product. And the story is she started to inject on the face of her patients, and she was very special doctor. She was the doctor for the uh, nightlife people, you know, <laughs> like. Uh, and in this group, that was in the 2000s. Uh, she had a lot of people with a severe deficiency of the mid face because of HIV. Mm. HIV creates lipoatrophy. So she realized that was the perfect gel for skin stimulation, volumizing by treating the collagen, stimulating the collagen. The problem then, the gel was sold to an American company and it's difficult to inject if you don't follow the rules. You have to follow a rule like dilution, you have to eat a powder. So it's not like the uh, hyaluronic acid, which is a gel with a syringe, already syringe. So you have to dilute it. And originally it was too concentrated and we had some problem, like nodules, reaction, granulomas. So in France, in Belgium, in Switzerland, that was almost banned at the beginning in the 2000s. Then from the US, because US didn't have Juvederm, didn't have Restylane, didn't have Stylage, it was used massively. And they diluted more than 3cc, was like 5, 6cc, and then to stimulate the skin. And now this product come around the world, like in Australia, but I recommend the doctor has to be trained to, has to dilute the product and to select the patient. It's not to feel the wrinkles, especially it's forbidden for the lips, and it's only for skin stimulation. Okay. Mm. It works well, but it, it takes like one, two, three sessions, and it's a little bit painful. So I've done in my life more than 6,000 cases of, of, uh, of Sculptra because I had a, a department in Nice where we have all this lipoatrophy and I had wonderful results with this product. So why do you still use it now? What's your sort of best candidate for that sort of filler? Um, it's, when people got their injection of HA, they said that is good, but they want to stimulate the skin. Mm-hmm globally. So okay. I use this product for this uh, general or global facial uh, glowing, I would say, stimulation. Okay. Right. And mm-hmm. you're using the collagen stimulation properties of that filler. Yeah. yeah. Okay, perfect. There's, I was, was, was going to say, what sort of a dilution are you using for that when you're using in that sort of, you know, large quantities across the entire phase? So I do 6cc for one vial, 6cc or 6 milliliters. Uh, we were talking. You were talking about the, the body. So for the body, of course, you can do, but you need a lot of product. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you need one one vial and six cc for one one session for the face. But for the body, you need like three, four, five, six. So then it's a cost. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know how is the price. What is the price in Australia? But here, to treat the body with the Sculptra, it's very cost effective. Yeah. Uh, then there's some other sort of lesser known or lesser used fillers like the polycaprolactone um, fillers. I don't know if you have it in Europe. It's called Alance here in Australia. Have you ever heard or used uh, of that product? I, I heard about it. I don't use it, so I have no experience. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I'm just trying to be thorough here. And then there was um, 
a, a filler on the market many years ago. We actually did a, a podcast with Patrick Treacy. I don't know if you know Patrick. And yeah, he was telling us about his experience with... Uh, Hello, Patrick. <laughs> yeah, he was telling about um, his experience with um, polyacrylamide fillers or Aquamid. Um, did you ever use those back in when you first started? I use it. Not when I first started, because I'm old. I'm 60. I studied 30 years ago. So Aquamid, <laughs> I used it after 10 years of practice. And yeah. that was one of the gel we expected a lot, but that was a permanent gel. Yes. So risky. And I was one of the trainer and apologized for all the doctors I trained and the patient who had complications because we had a couple of complications. Because it's a permanent gel, you get this inflammation for years and years. So that was not a good idea. And by the way, in the market now, officially, it's completely forbidden to inject permanent gel. And that I warned the patient um, yeah, and the doctors, of course, not to use the permanent sellers. Yeah, that's actually a really good point because a lot of our patients will say to us, I want something permanent. Mm. And they'll almost ask you, what, what can I do to make a permanent change? And I say, look, it's not a great idea, but taking your experience, it sounds like um, you know things like HA where we can reverse them has been a, a sensible decision to move to those types of fillers. You know, the problem is, if, as a surgeon, of course, when I do something, I do a nose, I do a facelift, it's permanent. But the thing is, I control 100% what I do. With this, those permanent gel, you have to, to know and remember that at that time, those fillers has no scientific studies, no official approval. It was just a C mark. And a C mark, you just go on, on the bureau and you have a stamp and that's it. And it's <laughs> done in Ukraine, it's, it's done in Slovakia, you don't know where. And then this is injected on the face, in the face of the patient. It's okay at the beginning and then complications happen. So... That's why a permanent gel would be fantastic, but needs like 10 years of, of scientific study. And of course, no companies want to invest on a permanent product. Yeah. Well, yeah. I remember we had an advisory board <laughs> in, in London with a company, I don't want to mention the name, and they said, guys, what would you like? What is your dream? I say, I want a permanent product for the lips because I hate injecting the lips every, <laughs> every, every month or every week. And I said, guys, it's not good for business if we have a permanent gel. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's yeah. such a good point. Yeah. Well, I guess even as well, I mean, the product, even if you assume you don't get complications with, um, you know, inflammation and so on, but your facial structures move and change over the years. So even if you do the perfect job and you don't get any complications, in 10 years, your face will be different yeah. and it might not work. And then the only option is to surgically remove it. Yeah, and this this memory of my first case in the emergency hospital in Nice. I was a young doctor, not a, it was not a doctor, it was a student. And one guy came with all this face sagging, and that was silicone sagging on the face. And the injection was on here, but after a couple of years, because oh. of the heaviness of the gel and no, no, no uh, lack of elasticity, the gel was there and there. So wow. that's it's a good point. And those permanent gel, they have a reaction. The body created anti antibody reaction around the gel. So if it's local and deep, it's okay. But if it's superficial, it's a nightmare. And also, if you inject one bolus and you have a reaction around the bolus, it's it's bad, but you easy to cut and remove the bolus. The problem is if you do multipuncture or fanning with a cannula with a permanent gel. It's a nightmare. You cannot even remove it. It's too dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why permanent gel, forget it. 
And I guess the oh, we were going to ask about silicon, but you've just given us a nice story about that. So maybe we'll we'll move on from silicon. But what about fat? You know, using you know, um, and you get state of liposuction, or you know, you might want to have your face revolumized at the same time. Do you use do you use fat sometimes in the face? Yeah, I I, I use um, for very specific indications like the hollowness under the eyes, like called the tear trough. Because sometimes with the hyaluronic acid, you have some swelling, you have a tingle effect, which is like blue under yeah. the eyes. It's like looking at a swimming pool, which you, you see with a light uh, uh, projection, you have some blue under the eyes. So those kind of cases, I use this fat grafting. And we can use micro fats or nano fat, which is very, very, very tiny, tiny lobule of fats. And this is precise, I would say as precise as the uranic acid gel. Otherwise, when people require a full face beautification with a lot of product, if you calculate the cost of uranic acid every year, like 10 syringe to do the full face or more, sometimes it's better to pay for one treatment fat grafting with the anesthetist in the clinic, and then you do the full face. But again, this is has to be subtle with a specialist and not to over-inject. And the problem of the lipofilling was good at the beginning and now good again, but there were like 15 years where people were injecting too much mm. and the fat is the same as silicone. If you inject too much, then it's sagging because the fat is heavier than, than the soft tissue. So if you inject fat here, it's nice, but then it comes down here and you see all this old ladies like me, like more than 60, <laughs> they look obvious because the, the fat was there and then it's here in the mid phase, which is bad. Yeah. And to remove that, it's very difficult. So yeah. I, I, I use only micro fat and nano fat now for a specific indication. Eyebrows also is really good. And I have to thank Dr. Simon Lu because he was one of the first to show the injection on the eyebrow and the upper, upper eyelid with the HA, but we do it also with the fat grafting. So that's a great, uh, great product. How do you, just, a, it might be an obvious question, but I, I'm sure there's people wondering what this is. What is the difference between nano fat and micro fat? How do you, how do you capture that? Or how do you, where do you, where are you sort of harvesting it from? And what, what's the difference? So you, the harvesting is the same. You can yep. take it from the body, from the, the neck, everywhere you have an excess of fat. Then it's how you calibrate the fat you're going to re-inject. Uh, first, you have to remove the red cells and the, the liquid, which is the oil from the cells, from the adiposite cells, from the fat cell. So we use a centrifugation. After centrifugation of the syringe, you remove the blood, and no, sorry, the blood is down, and you remove the oil. And in the middle, you have the fats. And these fats, then you can filter, filtrate. Yeah, yeah. You, and you can make like ten or twenty passes through. I don't know the name. Like a little sieve, uh, like a filter. Yeah, it's a sieve or a, a filter. filter. Yeah. And this filter has holes of 2.5 millimeters or 1.2 millimeters. And then making this uh, multi-passing uh, through the filter give you or micro fat or nano fat. Right. And if you don't filtrate it's macro fat so macro micro nano right so macro is for the structure for the bone or here micro is for nasolabial fold under the eyes the temple the eyebrows and nano is really for uh 
close to the eyes, the wrinkles, and a little bit of the lips. And that stimulates because when you inject nanofat, you also inject PRP, which is plasma-rich platelet. And you also inject stroma vascular factor, mm. S, S, SVF, which is all the stem cells. So you will re-inject the stem cell of your own body. And that's great because it stimulates the soft tissue. Right. And we should have done another podcast on this. Yeah, we should. (laughs) Well, one more question on that before we move on. Is there any difference in the survival rate of nano versus like micro fat? Like, because I know that that's one of the things with fat grafting is making sure that it gets a a rich enough blood supply to survive. Do you get better better uptake or better, you know, better um, levels of, of the fat surviving when you do that technique? So uh, the, 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 of course, when you do nanofat, it's not uh, uh, it doesn't survive that long. But the pro, the, the concept it stimulates with the stem cells. So that's the concept. Microfat is really a graft. It's not a, a, a only an injection of a of a filler. It's also recreating a normal fat cell, a deposit cell with all the little vessels around. And that's very interesting when you open after those fat grafting. It's very impressive because you look at the capillaries around the new cells. It's very impressive. So it's really a graft. And the survival is, I mean, you lose, let's say, if you do it properly, technically, now we have, nowadays we have good centrifugation, good tools to, to mix and filters. Let's say it's, it's 80% stays and this is forever. So that's why you have to be a very good doctor to do the deep feeling because if you make a mistake, it's forever. Yes. <laughs> like every surgery, I'd say. Perfect. So um, I think we're going to focus mainly on the hyaluronic acid fillers because that's, well, certainly in my experience yeah. and most injectors' experience, that's the most common filler. So what is hyaluronic acid? Um, what, what's it made of and, and, and where do we get it from? So uh, you have different uh, possibilities uh, or from animals. That was in the 90s and now it's, it's forbidden. We don't take it from animals. Uh, nowadays, it's from uh, 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 it's a synthetic uh, chain of hyaluronic acid and it's made on a factory, very sterile. Uh, and the process is very secret. Every company has its process. So it's a chain, uh, it's like DNA chains, like, you know, like this. Mm -hmm. And then they make the mix with the concentration and the cohesivity and, uh, and, uh, yeah, to make the gel or very liquid or very uh, cohesive. And we often sort of explain to our patients that, um, you know, like those chains that you said, sometimes we describe it as like uh, strands of spaghetti and, you know, Mm -hmm. some brands have long, long sort of strands of spaghetti and sometimes it's mixed with short strands and and this is sort of what gives our filler their characteristics. Is that that how you would sort of describe the differences in fillers or, or the very basic differences? Yeah, this is the, the this is a very good explanation for the the, the non uh, specialists like myself because I don't understand <laughs> specifically. So I will talk like I talk to the patients. Yeah, it's like a very small or a Chinese noodles or a spaghetti, Italian spaghetti, and then you can cut or mix those spaghettis together with uh, some sticky stuff to make them together. Of course, this is microscopic. It's not uh, uh, like big like a spaghetti, but this is the concept. And more you add your sticky bindings, we say more you have a cohesive gel and more you have something robust. And that's how the companies, they play with uh, the concentration and the bindings. Right. 
And that's, that's really the, what we call the rheology. Rheology is how a gel can be fluid, more, more or less fluid. And where does the term cross-linking come in, into it? Because from a consumer's perspective or layperson's perspective, you, you hear that word a lot. What does it mean? And is that sort of what you were referring to is one of the properties? The cross-linking is the scientific word for binding, getting two structures together with uh, some uh, bridges, which is uh, uh, chemical. So it's a chemical bridge and we call it cross-linking because it's only one. It's many cross-links uh, 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 cross from these, those spaghettis. And more you have cross-linking, more you have bindings, more you have uh, cohesive or robust gel. And that will sort of presumably, or at least in theory, allow the filler to last for longer because it's bound together and maybe yeah, more absolutely. you know, rigid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Of course, it lasts longer. It lasts more than a year when this is really cross, uh, high cross-binding, cross-linking. Sorry. Yeah, because there's a couple of um, fillers on the market. I won't mention any brands, but they're specifically uncross-linked. And many patients will sort of anecdotally report that it didn't last very long. So in, in your experience, and, and you know, you've used lots of different brands, um, Dr. Espado, do you think that cross-linking is necessary? Or do you think there'll ever be a time where you know, we can get longevity a different way? Nowadays, we if you have a non-processing gel, it just stays a month. Yeah, and I have a couple of patients. They go, they don't pay that much, and they said, "Ah, oh, it doesn't last more than 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 two or three months." And you, it lasts yeah, one year. Yeah, of course, because I'm using cross-binding gels. So that's important to have the, the two possibilities. When I started, there was non-crossing HA, and we were injecting the patient every three months. So it's it's too much. Except if you want to do mesotherapy, skin boosters, you don't need crosslink, of course. You need a, a pure gel. So what actually happens when you inject, well, just in, in this case, uh, HA into the skin? What's actually happening? Because I know from a, from a patient perspective, when you first have it injected, you're swollen, you sort of touch your face, you can feel that the filler's there. And then sort of over the next sort of two to three months, it sort of starts to integrate into your tissue and, and starts to feel like you can't really differentiate it as much. So what's actually happening there in that process? So first is the technique. If you inject not molars, but you make a really a shape which is adapted to the structure, the, the structure of the face, people normally, after when I do my injection, the people, they don't feel the job. Except if, if it's really superficial to make some intradermal papule, we call. So that can stay like a day or two, so the, the patient can do a little bit of uh, pressure or massage. But if you, for example, on the lips or, or, or on the cheeks, I try to create the shape which is adapted to the shape of the lips or cheeks, and then it's like a normal shape. Of course, if you make lines or a big bolus, then you fill it for a couple of days, and then you have to wait that the gel spread a little bit and is integrated. But nowadays, the new gels, especially like brand like the Steel Age, etc., they are really good. They have a, what we call a good tissue integration. It means that the HA goes into the tissue and the fibrotic tissue and gets gets its place, and you don't feel it. You don't feel it because it's not hard and it's adapted to the skin and to the level and the depth of the skin where you inject it. I've never fully understood what I'm actually 
describing to people because on the one hand I'm saying to them this is a non-permanent product and you know over a year or two the clinical effect will disappear and at the same time I'm saying it's going to become part of you <laughs> and and it, and it's there you know it, and it's yours so I'm almost saying two paradoxical things so what's your understanding of integration it's it's not a paradoxal it, it it's it's the truth it's like it, when you inject water you inject uh, for example lidocaine for an anesthesia, the, the lidocaine or the water is tissue integrated, but then it disappears because it's just water, it's spread and it goes away. Mm. So the idea with the HA is has a very good tissue integration, get its place, but then it's destroyed by the body after a couple of months. And it has to be, must have a good tissue integration. Otherwise, it's like the permanent gel, like the silicone, mm. which were okay, you have a broader projection, you have a shape, but it's not integrated. That's why those products move and are visible in a, in a non-adequate area. So that's why it's very important tissue integration. And of course, that has to be resolvable. Otherwise, you're in trouble. Yeah. I remember we had a, an injector on from America. He's a plastic surgeon. I don't know if you know him, Dr. Christian Subio. And um, in America, fillers are very expensive. And so he's made a, a bit of a decision um, to not worry so much about filariology, but try to help his patients by using, you know, more cost-effective filler because he can use more filler. So I think he uses a brand called Versa. I don't think we have that here in Australia. But his point was that he doesn't think that rheology is that important and, and it's more just about, you know, technique and volume. But you know, I know that you prefer the Stylage brand. So can you just sort of explain, you've obviously used different brands. So wh why would you choose one over the other? For And this is for consumers who may not understand, you know, the different brands and, and why we have so many in our cupboards. So it's, I will make a comparison. You want to fill your stomach with junky food or you want to have a healthy food and good food, mm -hmm. which is more a bit more expensive. So I don't like to have a cheap gel to make a lot of volume on the face. I prefer to have the adapted gel, a cohesive one for the chin, the mandible and the nose, and then the light one, uh, very malleable for the lips and the tear trough. It's like a sculpture. It's not like feeding the face with volumizing. Yeah. So I, I'm sorry, but I disagree with the concept of my colleague from, from the US. Of course, it's cost effective, but you know, you can do just one syringe for the where it's more visible, like tear trough of the lips. And then you tell the patient, maybe you can come back when you have more budget. But it's a mistake to make this cheap injection. And that's how we get the problem and the complications. Of course, it's, it's, it's difficult to say to people who don't have the budget, you cannot come to see a plastic surgeon, but you know, it's also our role to say, yeah, it's expensive, but if you want the best injection, the best doctor and the best result, you have to be prepared to prepare your budget. You know, it's like going on holidays. If you want to go, uh, around the world and the low low cost tickets and and then high hiking. Of course, you take a risk. Okay, it's your choice. It's your life. But it's better to choose the best destination and uh, to not to go so far and to, to be ready for your for your trip for your journey. So I I I am I'm very concerned about that because now we have not only the doctors but the non doctor who are try to inject 
And it's, this is really important to go to see a specialist. It's cost effective, but then you have a result because it's, if it's cheap, the product is cheap. It doesn't last that long. You're going to be disappointed. Mm. And I remember I did my house in Canada. I did very good structure that everything was perfect. And then I, I decided to get uh, not so expensive some uh, places of the house. And then I paid a double or triple for this because it was cheap. So it's the same for the product. And it's the same when you get your face done, you have to choose the best. Uh, and there are young doctors, not so expensive, that can afford that. Yeah. They can afford this. Sorry. And just to qualify that, um, if, if Subio is listening, shout out to Dr. Subio. I didn't mean that he's using a cheap, crappy product. It was more a case of he's making a decision to not worry so much about you know the the various rheologies and more just try to help ah, his okay. patient as best as he can with the budget okay, so that right. they have. But yeah, I, I mean... You know, when patients say to me, you know, I've, I've had a different brand and, and I want this brand and I only use Juvederm, that's just my personal choice. I'm say, sure, it, it, it's a filler. I'm sure I could use it, but I need, I would need experience and time to understand how that filler works in you because I don't have that experience. And so, you know, I have played with different fillers and, and they are different. Um, the swelling's different. They the, are different. The, the effect yeah, is different. The lifting different. is different. So yeah, yeah. they are different. The, cons the the gel are different. The reaction of the gel are different, and that's true. You need a learning curve. Every doctor, even the best, need a learning curve. So when you move from a company to the other, uh, uh, you have to be honest and not to try to do the magic <laughs> wow effect that you do with the filler you use for ten years. You have a learning curve. But back to this, you cannot do everything with one gel. There are doctors that are using only one gel from one brand for everything. Of course you can, but <laughs> yeah. it doesn't last that long. doesn't have the same wow effects, especially of, on volumizer and this very uh, high cohesive gel. If you use this gel on the lips, it's a disaster. If you use that on the tear trough, it's not adapted. So, and if you use the gel you use for the wrinkle on the chin, it doesn't last less than more than three months. So, yeah, yeah, you can put 10cc on the chin <laughs> of a light HA, but it doesn't last that long. It's like using water, you know? <laughs> yeah. So Jake uh, sort of mentioned the word stylage, and I know it's the product um, that you like to use. It's your product of choice. But you see um, people adding uh, things to fillers like antioxidants or mannitol. So what, what are those um, additives and why are people using them? And then I guess what is it about stylage that you like? What are the properties in it that make it the product that you that you choose? So the, the originally uh, the manitol was integrated in the HA in stylage because uh, of the longevity of the duration. Um, why I, I, I use stylage? Because stylage, it's, you know, the, 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 the company and the president of the company, the owner of the company, Mr. Kita, he was the one who created Juvederm. So he created Juvederm then Juvederm was um, sold and then he created a new company and from the, his knowledge and all the team of the R&D team was half of the team went with him and he created this stylage which was a second step of this let's say uh, Juvederm right. and now why I use it because it's safe because it's effective because I have a very good duration um, it's very simple and, 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 and great gel so I've 
been using in my life all the gel. So um, I think this is this is a, a great gel. I know it's it's in Australia for a couple of months or year, not, not a uh, long pretty, time. Probably We're, around a year, I would yeah, guess. Now, still relatively recent yeah. compared to some of the more popular products we've had here. So your uh, Juvederms and your Restylons, which were the two. Yeah. Only, we only had those two products for very for many many years, almost ten years. Um, but now you we're starting. Also, you also have Tioxen, no? Tiocial, Tioxen. It's only relatively newish here as Probably well. Probably two or three years, yeah, perhaps. Yeah. Uh-huh. But in any case, all those gels, the four we mentioned, are very good. And then you have and the doctor has to be convinced that he's is he, easy uh, using those gel and has a good experience. Um, it has to be safe. Has to be. Uh, marked and 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 uh, now we we do a lot of scientific studies on the gel, and then what I like is when you have a, a brand with different concentration, different uh, stylage has like the S M L XL double XL S, and now Lips Plus. So we have seven gel in uh, plus the the skin boosters. So it's like nine or ten gel in the company. So you have the choice and then you make the best choice for the patient. Yeah. Well, I guess it's not only the the product itself, but it's the company that's behind it, the training, the support. If you have issues when things go wrong, if education, all those things are really important. So it's not just about the product, it's everything else that comes with it as well. Yeah. And also the the loyalty of the company, the contacts with the with the, the pyramid of deciders is <laughs> something difficult on big companies. It's everywhere the same. It's not only for the fillers. It's it's everywhere, you know. And this company, Vivesi, uh, 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 you can talk to the president and the owner. You can talk to the vice president easily and mention that, you had a, okay, I had a problem with this. Can we change that? Da, da, da. Other companies, step one, step two, step three, and then <laughs> this one's referred to this one. And then this one moved to another company or moved to another bureau and disappeared. So all you have done for one year is out so you have to start from scratch again and that's the relationship i had with other companies that i don't like so uh, that's why in france in french we see a a thai familial a family business like something affordable Hmm. you know and and the other point is i'm looking to the window because the factory is at two kilometers from my house so when i have something to say i can go to Archon, which is the french border to geneva and I can talk to them and I, I work with them. So that's also very easy. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Do they do, um, I, was, I was supposed to be in London last year and then we had the pandemic and I was supposed mm-hmm. to go to France to the Allegan, uh, you know, the filler um, factory in Prongy. So can you yeah, do yeah, that yeah. with Stylage? Can you take a tour around their, their factory and see the filler being made? Can you do that? Yeah, yeah. And by the way, this Prongy factory of Elagan was done by Mr. Kita because it's him who created the company yeah. uh, Juvederm and Juvederm was bought by Elagan and that's he, he did the first building for and the factory there and then now it's, it's only one hour by car from there <laughs> so, <laughs> okay so they're around the corner you can visit you can visit the two it's I, great I heard a rumor I don't know if you can clear this up that a lady called Madame Taupin invented Juvederm and then she inv- and then she obviously sold and then she went to Tioxane. Is that not true? No, no. no. She, she didn't create it. I'm sorry. This, she didn't create a Juvederm. She was working for Mr. Kita uh-huh. and then she spread and did another brand of Juvederm 
and then she created to accept. Okay. But she's not the inventor of Jupiter. Okay. Thanks for clearing that up because that's yeah. always been spread, that story. <laughs> we love a good yeah. rumor. And by the way, if you say, she mentioned the name of this man to her or her name to him, they'll kill each other. You know, <laughs> you have to avoid that. <laughs> by the way, I'm, I'm friend with the two and I'm friend with Alagan and, and, and Galderma. Like, you know, Stephen Lou told me that he said, Raspaldo, you're too Mediterranean. You have to be friends with all the companies. Well, and we agree, decided. It's not the company. Well, it's very, it's very, very Swiss of you. Yeah, very neutral. Yeah, I'm, I'm Swiss because I'm 60. Because you know, I'm I'm, I'm from the <laughs> south of France. I'm very Latin. I'm uh, you know very energetic. So now I'm 60. I'm more Swiss. It's true. <laughs> now, one of the the controversial, I won't say controversial, but topics that's spoken about a lot is how long do fillers actually last? You know, we hear anything mm-hmm. from you're looking at uncross-linked um, products, maybe a month or two up to your very thick products with the high G primes and like a heavy cross-linking that can last 24 months. But we've heard anecdotally that they last for longer. We've had um, people on here like Dr. Mobin Master um, who uh, is doing, uh, was it MRI? Not MRIs. MRIs. MRI scans. Um, he's, and basically working out that these things are actually like, these fillers are lasting longer. So what? how do we sort of really know how long fillers are lasting and what do we tell our patients so we have to differentiate two different, very important things. The longevity of the gel, what we call in vitro, it means how long the gel stay at the same shape together. Right. So this is normally in the lab is one year for the majority of the gel. The problem is we make the, 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 the mistake that longevity of the gel is not longevity of what you see and what the patient see on his face or her face. And this is different because if you, the patient doesn't destroy the, the HA injected, it can stay a year, but people destroy quickly the gel. Or if you want to have a strong chin and big cheeks, the visible effects is visible for, let's say, eight months, but step by step, the gel is not okay. I'm here, then I disappear. No, it's like that, slowly, slowly descending. So it means that the effective effectiveness of the gel is roughly a year, but sometimes it's less. So that's why we have to explain to the patient the gel lasts a year, but no, the longevity of the gel is a year, but the effectiveness of the gel can be less, like eight to ten months. Nowadays, the the new gel, the very cohesive one, they they last at almost a year. And I know there is a scientific study by my colleague from Australia. They show that sometimes it lasts more than uh, a year, like two years, especially for the chain or or the man, the mandible. And and I guess there's going to be differences from individual to individual depending on right. well that their metabolism. For example, I know that some people who exercise a lot um, maybe it lasts less on those people. So you are going to find those differences from person to person. Yeah, yeah you, you do get those sort very, of patients who are very athletic and yeah. skinny and. I don't know. I, I can't prove it, but they'll they'll tell you. You know, my filler. I just burned through it. Um, so, do, <laughs> do you have that sort of similar experience, uh, Doctor Espaldo, where with your athletic patients, the filler potentially doesn't last as long? Uh, 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 athletic, but also I have a this this story from uh, when I was in Cannes. My practice was in Cannes. I'm only in Geneva for three years now. Um, 
time is flying. <laughs> so I had this patient from uh, from Switzerland, and uh, she had a house in Cannes, and she was coming every every six months, and I had to inject like a lot of fillers on her cheeks and the chin and the nose and the lips, and after six months, all was gone because she was destroying this gel. And uh, we used to inject for every every six months a lot of product, like uh, let's say more than almost ten cc, ten mm-hmm. syringes. And I was surprised every time I say, "Oh, again, Madame," and then all was gone. So of course, active and very sportive people, but also people you don't know. They have this. The skin is like destroying the gel. Yeah, interesting. And we cannot predict. That's the problem. <laughs> now, I've seen on uh, your website, Dr. Spada, you use 3D imaging a lot. And presumably that's because you're a, you know, a surgeon as well. So you want to get perfect imagery. So do you use that for your filler patients as well to, to sort of show them the before and afters and the effect? And, you know, if they come back after six months saying my filler's all gone, you've got a, a really good record of sort of demonstrating if it is or isn't there. Yes, I use uh, uh, 3D pictures every day for every patient, for every consultation. So it's not time-consuming because the time I see the patient, I, I start to talk and they look at the image. It's very friendly and interactive. So the main reason why I'm using it, of course, at the beginning was for surgery to show the before and after or the simulation of a nose or a chin. But then I realized I did a scientific study for uh, Allegan and uh, I, I had this machine for uh, a year. And when I had to give it back to Allegan, all my patients said, Dr. Espaldo, where is the machine? I want to see my face. This is very effective. It's very interesting. So I bought the machine. <laughs> ah. And now I use it for the filler because you can see, of course, the before and after. And there is no discussion because it's the same light. That's very important. Same light, same position. And you can really compare the before and after. And then when you look at the face on 3D, you can turn the image, you can remove the color, look under the skin, the the, the volume, the hollowness, where are the problems? It's more effective to understand and then to explain to the patient. And the last point, which is very important, when you do a simulation with the patient, you can, if, for example, the patient with a very big lips and a very short nose and a and, and ski jump nose, that's what we call it. <laughs> so I can show that this is not good for you. Yeah. And then you, it's very interactive. People decide with the doctor what is appropriate for, for them. So for me, it's, I cannot work without 3D now. Now, I say now, it's 15 years. Huh? <laughs> yeah, do you mind me asking which brand of uh, camera you're using? Yeah, so I have no disclosure because I have no brand for them. It's Vectra Canfield. Okay. Canfield, Vectra. And now they have, so I have the big one with three cameras. It takes like half of a wall to put it in your <laughs> office. Stephen Lou has a special room for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in Shape Clinic. So now they have a, uh, just a camera. No, it's not here. And it's a mobile one. So you take one picture, two, and three. And then in one minute, you have the reconstruction. Wow. Oh, fantastic. So it's extra, uh, yeah, it's H2, I think, the new version. It's very effective. Can you get me a discount? <laughs> yeah, 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 sure. Okay, <laughs> we'll speak to the company. Yeah. yeah, you say you need it, and then uh, you're going to do go do some presentation for them. You can, yeah. Perfect. Now, All right. for, for, and it's, I, I would say that for, for example, noses, I convert 100% of the patient thanks to the 3D. Hmm. There is, wow. oh, then it's a problem of a budget. 
for the budget is if the budget is okay with the machine, even if I don't talk, I just show the before and after, it's on. And nowadays I do a lot of, when they come, they like the injection because they are, they are afraid by surgery. So what I do, I do the before, I do the simulation with the injection, and I do the simulation with the surgery. And then I show them one, two, three pictures, one, two, three. And then I show that, okay, this is good. Injection is good or not. So they start most of the time with a filler, with the nose injection. And I show that surgery is better for you because I remove the hump. I make the nose more adapted. And many, many, like 80% of them, they come back after a year or two or three to do their nose to do the surgery. Interesting. By the way, I describe a, a, a specific technique for nose injection, which is the Eiffel Tower nose lift. I don't inject directly the hump. I inject the nasolabial angle to support the tip. Yeah. And then you need less product to get a better projection. So it's very delicate injection. And I recommend, uh, I have done a lot of training for that, but the, the patient who asked for this technique, the Eiffel Tower nose lift. I was watching an example of that on YouTube just before I got here, mm-hmm. just to do a bit of research. Yeah. So it was beautiful. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> we were we were talking about MRI uh, imaging just a, a few minutes ago, but what do you think about its application for treating sort of acute complications, so things like vascular occlusions? You mean using uh, what, ultrasound. The, uh, ultrasound? Ultrasound, sorry. Ultrasound, sorry, yes. Ultrasound? So in, in an ideal world... If you have a specialist of echography, ultrasound, who can show you where are the arteries, of course, it would be ideal. But the precision of the depths, where you are, and injecting using uh, this tool with the ultrasound is not so easy. I, I, I tried because we have MRI, uh, MRI and ultrasound uh, specialists and, uh, in, my, in my clinic. Um, it's good to find where are the complications if you have a granuloma or too much HA, where are the arteries. But honestly, to do the injection live with your ultrasound, okay, maybe in the future with a very light camera, I don't know. Mm. Um, the best is to learn, to learn the anatomy, to know where are the big dangers. And the problem is there are many variations. So even if you know what they are and you use the ultrasound, sometimes you have a variation. So experience and uh, uh, I would say uh, knowing the anatomy by heart is easier than using an ultrasound tool. So have you ever used MRI to look at problematic fillers? You know, like you just said, maybe puffiness or uh, Mm -hmm. swellings. And I mean, what patients do you think are best used for MRI? Is it just just those problem ones or do you think it will become more routine where, you know, you sort of have a once yearly MRI to sort of assess what's happening and, you know, maybe combine that with an augmented image so you can actually target volumes and things like that? Yeah, so I, I, I'm lucky because I have this MRI specialist really on the basement of our clinic. So what, why I use it? I use it first when I have a complication like granuloma, People, a person who was injected in another clinic, and I don't know where is the product, mm-hmm. and to differentiate a permanent gel than an NHA, or if there is a granuloma or just an excess of gel. So, this is good with the MRI. The second reason is the 3D. So, you can do a reconstruction of 3D with the MRI. Yeah. So, I combine the Vectra 
the outside face with the background, the photography, plus the MRI, and then you can really look where are the problems. Mm, and brilliant. this is really uh, interesting. Of course, this is cost effective. It's very uh, expensive to do an MRI, but in specific cases like this, I do it. And I use it also on a, on a third reason. When I have to do surgery uh, for, uh, I mean, a revision surgery after facelift or trauma or noses, where it's dangerous concerning the, the vessels, so we do the MRI with the reconstruction of the vessels. And this is really impressive. You see all the vessels, where they are, and then you can calculate where you have to go and if you have enough blood supply on the nose or the lips or the, the cheeks. Mm. One of the um, controversial topics at the moment, which has been spoken about a lot, and Jake, one of our mutual friends, just had their whole face highlighted because of filler migration um, over the years. Now, I was just wondering, Dr. Espaldo, do you what do you think of this phenomenon? When, what do you think is driving it? Is, it? is it technique or is it just the nature of filariology that's causing these things to manifest or the, the, to sort of, I guess, the results to change or the filler to move? I, I, I never experienced a lot of migration of HA. I think it's, it's too much HA injected because we say it's one year after one year the gel disappeared, but it's not 100% that the HA disappeared. And I remember I saw some lectures or some publications that sometimes the HA can stay like three years. So imagine people are injecting every year or twice a year for, let's say, 10 years. Of course, the face is full of HA gel, which is too much. And then it's not a migration. It's that you have too much puffiness on your face because too much HA. Yeah. And the body has no time to to destroy all that because it's it's still there. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, okay. Yeah. Mm. I think it's technique and like you said, just volume. If you keep on doing yeah. 10 mils every year, exactly. then of course you're going to build up uh, like a reservoir of filler everywhere. Yeah. But, you know, you go to someone like Dr. Espaldo or a skilled injector, they're just doing small amounts in the right compartment, never over-treating. I think, I think that's probably how we, how we should be doing yeah, it. You know, we started with a lot of uh, uh, syringes in the past, and now we use less and less for a more effective uh, uh, approach because we know better the structure. Let's go. Okay. Uh, and then we have to adapt where, if you inject half a cc or a 0.2 cc here, you don't need to inject one cc on the cheeks. That's what we were doing 10 years ago. So that's why um, more uh, precise and less product is the best for the future. Fair enough. Now, I don't know much about the stylage range, and, and you sort of touched on there's about seven main fillers in the portfolio and some skin boosters. Just tell us about you know, the range and, and why you would use each filler where in the face? So first, there are two skin boosters. It's a non-crossing gel for the wrinkles and for the skin booster. Mm -hmm. So this is the, the one part of the brand. Then from, I would say, from the depth to the superficial, you have double stylage double XL, which is for the bone structure like chin, mandible, the jawline contouring, very famous now, jawline contouring, mm -hmm. and the cheekbones. Sometimes I use it also for the tip support or for Asian noses on the bridge. Then you have stylage 
Excel, which is good for the cheeks, which is good for the, the temples. Then you have the L, which is large. Large means that it's a cohesive gel, but spread. So it's mm -hmm. very good for the temple, for the hollow cheeks here. Okay. And then we have the M. M is a regular gel for wrinkle, nasolabial, uh, marionette lines, etc. Then you have the S. S is more for the tear trough. And then you have two products for the lips, stylage lips which is the normal one for the lips. And nowadays, because people want more and more volume, I know in Australia, I remember <laughs> ladies, they want really wow lips. So and also in Europe, and now we have in Europe this <laughs> mood of the Russian lips, which is this big, big, big lips who can fit on ladies like in the ancient Lajoli because she's very tall and with a big square face. But those big lips are not fitted to, to a small face. Mm. However, so we have the Silage Lips Plus, which is more volumizing for the lips. And this is going to uh, be on the market uh, at the end of the year or, yes, at the end of the year. Okay. So those lip fillers, presumably, they've got a little bit more elasticity in their rheology yes. to allow so the lips animation. Are more Fair enough. And and how long have you been using the Stylage range? And I guess, you know, honestly, how would you compare it to the other ranges that we were using before? And, and do you still use anything else to complement the Stylage brand? So I, I, I started really long time ago when it came in the market, but uh, I, I didn't have time to really look at the product that was happy with the product that was using. Mm -hmm. So I use it really now for three years in, 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 in Switzerland. I use it, 80% uh, of my injection are done with silage range. I like this uh, simplicity of the product, the elasticity, the duration and the combination of different gels. Um, to be really honest, on the tear trough, I prefer to use something like the Restylane uh, Refine, which is a very good product for, for the tear trough. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. In relation to, well, you, you, you spoke about your uh, Eiffel Tower um, nose lift that you do with uh, fillers. What product do you, you use for that and, and why? So if I want to really have a, a, a projection and the support, I use a double XL on the nasal labial angle. And if I have an Asian patient to support the bridge, I use also the double XL. If I want to do a refinement, I can use XL only or even M just to inject because I want to have the product exactly where I injected. I don't want to for the product to move and I want I want the product to stay at least a year because it's not pleasant to inject the nose. I have this technique of the Eiffel Tower, you inject medially, so medially you have no big trunk of arteries, so you have zero risk absolutely, no risk of ischemia, necrosis, all that stuff. So it's really important to have the, the appropriate gel in the area where you inject it. And sometimes I mix a double XL here and the M or uh, excel on the bridge of the nose. Can I ask, do you ever use a cannula for noses or are you always using a needle? So cannula in the nose for me is forbidden because you make a tunnel and then this tunnel, you put the gel on the tunnel and that's the shape of a tunnel. I agree. What I want, I want to have, yeah, <laughs> it's true. You create a pocket, then the nose has the shape of a pocket. Yeah. Or a sausage. Yeah. So what I want is to create the, the projection 
I want to create two specific lines on the bridge of the nose, and with the needle, it's easier. Yeah. So that's why I'm 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 using a needle for at least ten years. I started with needle, then I moved to cannula, and I moved back to needle because cannula looks uh, uh, safe. It's not so safe if you enter in the artery. And with cannula, it's a one entry point, one way to do the job in one shape. You cannot change the shape of what you do. And it's very painful. More painful because you you destroy the soft tissue there. It's painful. And then from one entry point, you do there and there. It's not elegant. It's not elegant. Depends what you do. If you want to make a subtle, refined shape of the nose, you have to use a needle. Mm -hmm. If you want just to feel... Oh, hide a hump, maybe you can use a cannula, but honestly, it's, it's, I, 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 I'm a, a promoter of the needle injection of the nose. Yeah. And do you mind me asking, in oh, I'm trying to work out how many years you've been injecting, at least uh, 24, 5 from what you said? Oh, you said 30. Uh, you, said, you said 30, s- didn't you? Since 96, I think you said? Long time. Anyway, long, long time. What? Longer than me. I inject, yeah, I started to inject silicone in 92, so it's more than 30 years. Okay. Yeah, 30 years. Do you yeah. mind me asking how many vascular occlusions you've, you've had and, and, and have you had any sort of necroses? So, thanks God, I never had any necroses, but I had four, let's see, no, five vascular compromising, mm-hmm. but I was there, I injected urinary days, I removed the product, and I treat the patient for one or two days with the uh, urinary days, and I saved the, 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 the nose. I had no complication. Uh, I didn't have any problem with the lips or other part of the face, thanks God. Perfect. And uh, um, I blame myself, you know, like <laughs> the Christian, because I was stupid. No, I was stupid because four of the five complications I've got was nose after surgery. I want to do something a little bit more beautiful a little bit here and a little bit here a little bit more it's too much so that was my mistake uh but thanks god i look at the 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 the, the, the clinical uh evolution and i use hearing this quickly yeah and what we do now when we inject noses we ask a picture at, uh, in the evening a picture at day one in the morning a picture at day one in the evening and a picture at day two yeah and if there is any redness purple you come back. Yeah. yeah. So I have a WhatsApp. They send the picture. I think my, my assistant and myself, if it's an emergency, I, I get the picture. And I'm really on call. Yeah. And before on holiday, I never inject a nose one week before because right. I have to be there. I'm okay. exactly yeah. the same. <laughs> With a friend of mine, I was in Morocco uh, two years ago and my friend, Dr. Schlaudraff, said, okay, I did this nose. Maybe there is a little bit of pustule. Can you... Look at her, and then she, he yells all the nose, and thanks God we we got no complication. Right, yeah. so oh. this is also very important. <laughs> now we know you. We you know we're, um, we're getting close to the end of the discussion. We know you're a busy man, so thank you for your time. But a couple of final questions, um, and this question has become quite controversial. So, aspiration: do you <laughs> do you aspirate or do you not aspirate? <laughs> <laughs> it makes me laugh. What can I say? <laughs> What can I say? <laughs> it, it, it's okay. I, I cannot say you don't, don't have to do it. I'm, first, I'm not convinced it's effective. So aspiration, if you stay where you are, you don't move and you aspirate for 10 seconds and it's not a cross, high-crossing gel, it can work. 
It means that people are doing I aspirate, I inject. This is bullshit. If you move, the needle is not at the same place, and then you re-inject one millimeter or two away from where you are, and an artery is not more than two millimeters. Yeah. So aspiration, okay. If you believe in aspiration, do aspiration. Uh, for the beginners, it looks like, okay, I aspirate, then I inject. It's better to be down to the bone, to touch the bone. On the bone, there is no arteries. There is no arteries at all on the bone. So if you are on the bone, you are inject, and then you inject retrograde because you're not in an artery. The thing is for um, yeah, aspiration, it means that if you aspirate every time before you inject, if you use a cannula, you never inject. Because you are here, you aspirate, mm-hmm. then you move, you aspirate, you move, you aspirate, you move, you aspirate. So you spend time to aspirate, you never inject. So that's why this myth of aspiration, we have to learn. And yeah, maybe to have a consensus. I know every time I do a course, I have 30% of the doctor, <laughs> you don't aspirate? I say, oh, yes, I can. Look. Because it happens to my colleague in, in, in one of the meetings. He was talking, he put the needle in and he was talking, he didn't look at the syringe and the blood came in the syringe. Because when you are in an artery, you don't need to aspirate. The blood comes in because the flow is so strong that it goes in the in the syringe. <laughs> yeah, if you're in a major artery, for yeah. sure. So, and i got one last question. I'm just curious to know about what the aesthetic market is like in, in Switzerland. I mean, I'm from the UK, I've moved to Australia, we've spoken to hundreds of, not hundreds, but many doctors around the world. But what, what's it like in Switzerland? Is it quite conservative or quite progressive? Uh, Switzerland in general is conservative. The thing is, Switzerland is really international, cosmopolitan, and especially Geneva. Geneva, we have people from Korea, even North Korea. We have people from South America. We have people from Russia. We have people from Europe, from everywhere. So it means it's it's an international market. So people are not so conservative. The thing is, for social life, in Switzerland, you don't have to show what you have done. Mm-hmm. And especially lips or uh, uh, under the eyes. So people are, let's say, more conservative. And I had to change the way I practice, also the way I inject and how much I inject from moving from Cannes to Geneva to be more uh, subtle and to do it step by step. At the end, I do the same, but maybe not in one session. And yeah. how would you reflect that with your Monaco patients? Must be quite different. <laughs> Hello, Monaco is like Geneva, which is very international. And, uh, but Monaco is more, uh, show off, yeah, more yeah. show off. Uh, I want to show what I have done, blah, blah. Uh, but it's also elegant. So we don't have like in Miami or in other parts of the, of the globe, people over injected, want to show big lips, big boobs, big cheeks. This doesn't exist. Yeah, I really have to go. Because that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> this is the, yeah. No so I was very happy to spend this time with you. Thank Again, you. I say hello to Australia and I want to come back. Especially yes. hello to Stephen Lou and uh, Simon Dorian from Melbourne. They are my good friends there. Thank you, Dr. Okay, Espado. We really appreciate your time as well. Could you just um, remind our listeners, if they ever wanted to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Is it Instagram? Is it your email? How would they reach out to you? So there is my website where you can send an email uh, or Instagram also. I, I, I look Instagram or then I have my WhatsApp, but then you need my, my, my mobile number. But the easiest is to go on the website and then you can 
Uh, you have a one phone number, which is my personal assistant. That's the one who I call in. Who is calling? Yes. <laughs> uh, also Instagram. Okay. Perfect. We'll put your details at the bottom of um, Apple Podcasts, yeah. so people can reach out if they want to. Thank you very much Thank for your you time. Guys. Thank Take you. Take care. Fantastic. See you later. Bye bye. See you. Bye bye. Bye bye. For our latest news, upcoming guests, and episode topics, follow us on Instagram at Inside Aesthetics Podcast. During the week before every recording, look out for our Instagram stories as we'll give you the opportunity to submit your questions to our guests and get a shout out. You can also DM us for any other information, suggestions or guest requests.